This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On today. We are going to speak to one of Oprah's Super Soul 100. Elizabeth Lesser is here. She's written a new book. And can you imagine that you not only carry all of your own trauma, but you also carry your parents' trauma? Oh, my goodness. That's a topic we'll look into as if we didn't have enough to deal with, right? But let's start with this new book from Elizabeth Lesser, who gave us the Omega Institute right here in the Hudson Valley, one of the greatest New Age conference centers. Do we say New Age anymore? Well, one of the greatest open, loving, caring, teaching conference centers in the world, Omega, and it's right here in the Hudson Valley. So Elizabeth, already a New York Times bestseller, has written a new book called Cassandra Speaks. And it's about we women, the power outsiders. Well, in many ways, I've been thinking about writing the book, even writing the book in my head for many, many years, because I've been involved in curating conferences about women, about questions about women and power. What is power? Would women do power differently if we had been involved in leadership for millennia? And I've always wanted to explore it. I've done it through conferences, through interviewing people, and I thought it was time to write a book about it. I started it maybe three, four years ago, and all of a sudden the Me Too movement blossomed. Uh, All the issues around our current president and other leaders in the world, and it just seemed like the right time to, to ask, can women do leadership and power differently, and why haven't we been involved at the core of what it means to lead um, for millennia? It is time for this book. Elizabeth Lesser, Cassandra Speaks. Just reading about it made, gave me a really uncomfortable feeling. Mm. Because I think for my whole life, I've thought, women are getting ahead. Women are getting ahead. We're getting there. We're getting there. We're getting there. Just looking through your book made me so angry to realize how little I was settling for. Oh, that's such a great way of putting it. You know, what what really struck me as I was writing the book, what I became more and more aware of in myself, isn't only women are getting there, I wanted to change what there looks like. So, yes, in many ways, corporate America, legislative uh, bodies all over the world, women have been getting our foot in different proverbial doors. But once we get in there, I don't really necessarily want to be in that particular room where power is defined by power over people or Uh, getting ahead on the backs of someone else or power being associated with, like, dominance or violence. I want women to help men and women and everyone 
define a different kind of world. And as power outsiders for so long in history, we actually have an opportunity, women do, I feel, which is not just to settle, as you say, but to create something different. Mm. Yeah, and I have to tell you another thing, Elizabeth Lesser. Right, <laughs> right now, in one of my other businesses, I'm involved in a situation where a businessman has just completely lied to me, just completely lied to me across the board. Lie, lie, mm-hmm. lie. And I'm having to come back to this. It's a company owned by a man, employed, all men work there, and I am an associate. Mm-hmm. I don't know where to start right. to address okay. this. Like, we don't speak the same language. We oh, don't yes. operate in the same way. I am scratching my head now for days thinking, I don't know what to do about this. Well, in all humility, well, the first thing I would say is read my book. Um, it's all about this. It's all, and in a lot of it's memoir from my own experience of often being the only woman in a male-dominated field. And it's not a book about blaming men or, or the alternative being only women leading or that we'd even do it that much differently. We have, women have to, for myself and what I would say to you and anyone listening, this believing deep in our core in who we are as women, not trying to transform ourselves into the kind of person a man would listen to and respect. Because then what's the point? There's there's a part in women that is deeply longing to create space for people to get along, not to, to talk over each other, not to dominate, not to do the locker room put down and I don't want to become that if that's what it means to be a leader. You know, like in the 1920s, social scientists started doing these research projects on what do humans do under stress, which, you know, business is pretty much often under stress, but all kinds of stressful situations from business to war to families. And they came up with this word, you know, under stress, people either fight or flight flight being, you know, pulling away from other humans, going into your, like, man cave or fight. We know what that means. But it wasn't until 2007 that a researcher at UCLA, a woman, Shelley Thomas, realized those studies had only been done on men. Hmm. And so she did the same exact studies on women, and she also looked deep into the research of, about female animals under, under stress and under trauma. And she discovered, no, that is not the instinctual reaction of women, fight or flight. It's actually something she called, and people now use, tend and befriend. Under stress, women often tend to the vulnerable, the children, the older people. And they also try to befriend the people in a stressful situation so that fight and flight are not necessary. So business studies have now been showing that when women are in leadership and aren't trying to be like the models they see, but coming from their own instinctual behavior, they tend to create cultures where you would be safe in your business associates now with the men in this company you're talking about. You would be safe to be who you are and to lead from your core competencies. Hmm. 
I love this study, and I also loved what you said that, I'm paraphrasing, but that we shouldn't have to figure out how to transform ourselves, because that's what I'm trying to do. Like, how can I present myself in a way that's palatable to this group to make them like me or hear me or understand me? Because it didn't dawn on me that on my own, I should just be understood and given the chance to explain or or speak my mind. And like for the past hundred or so years, at least in Western cultures, women have been, we have been transforming ourselves to fit a different culture. Now, I'm grateful for some of that. I have learned how to be tougher, more strategic, how to come from my head and less from my emotions. I have, I have learned how to do that, and that's been beneficial. But now it's time for men to learn how to come from a part of them that is dormant. The part that tends and befriends, the part that it doesn't feel ashamed or somehow emasculated to be emotionally intelligent, to ask for directions, to apologize. These are all wonderful human skills that are dormant in men. They've been shamed out of men. And I feel the more women are proud to come from who we are, the more we will kind of dignify that is as opposed to being told you're hysterical, you're over-emotional, you talk too much, you care about things that aren't bottom line, you know, we're, so we can like expand the bottom line to include things that are desperately needed in our culture. Tell us the story of Cassandra. Cassandra was a, a mythical figure. I go into a lot of mythical figures in the book, in the first part of the book that's called Origin Stories. Uh, and Cassandra was a uh, princess in the city of Troy, which was an enemy of Greece. And um, she, everyone was after her. She was the most beautiful princess. Even the gods wanted her. And the god Apollo, to woo her, gave her the gift of looking into the future. She could see into the future. She could prophesize and tell everyone what to do. She didn't understand that that gift was um, linked with sleeping with Apollo. And so after she got the gift and she wouldn't sleep with him, he was furious, so he cursed her. And he said, you will be able to see into the future, not taking the gift away, but now no one will believe what you say. No one will believe what you see. And so she did prophesize the future, the Trojan War, the death of her family, the city in ruins, and everyone thought she was crazy. So she said what she saw, but no one believed her, and that eventually did drive her mad. And as I was writing the book and hearing so much about not only Me Too stories of sexual abuse, but also just this idea of gaslighting, you know what Mm -hmm. gaslighting is, Mm -hmm. like saying what is true, but then thinking you're crazy. There is a long history of Cassandras in our world, and maybe you even feel like one in that business you were just talking about, where you say what you know the business could use and need and benefit from, but you're saying it in a way that no one believes you. And and then women are called crazy, but we're not crazy. We actually do know a whole lot of stuff that needs to be validated. Wow. Everybody get your hand on this book, Cassandra Speaks, Elizabeth Lesser, and you've done a couple of great TED Talks, too, and Oprah Winfrey adores you as well. (laughs) Um, Tell us about the Omega Institute. Is that still yours? 
Uh, well, never mind. It's a nonprofit, but I am the co-founder, and I am still involved, and we are struggling for our life as many nonprofits and many restaurants and movie theaters and whatever places where people gather together in real life. We we are we've been shut down all 2020 because of COVID. But we shall rise as a great conference and retreat center in the Hudson Valley. Any plans, any dates, any idea of when? Well, we need Cassandra to tell us this. Mm-hmm. We do. <laughs> we all do, all of us who are, are waiting to see what 2021 is going to look like. And what about online events? Is Omega doing a lot of those? We are doing a lot of online. We are pivoting as fast as we can. And, and you just go to our web- website and you could find out lots of courses and conferences and things like that. That is Elizabeth Lesser. Find her TED Talks, find her books. Cassandra Speaks is her latest book, and you can find out more about Omega Institute at eomega.org. Let me just check that for one second and make sure I remembered it correctly. eomega.org. Yep, there it is. And by the way, I didn't get very far in the situation with a group of men who have very closed minds and a set way of doing things that isn't in the light, as I would say. I just realized, cut your losses, nod your head. I spoke all the truth I could. That wasn't part of their way of communicating. So I decided to conserve my energy and not try to change them and walk away without having turned myself into a pretzel. I remained a pretzel stick. All right. Shifting gears now. Judy Miller wrote a book called Perfect. She was a fearful kind of person, and then she had a, an operation, I think a hysterectomy, and she worked with a healer and shebangy. Shazam. Many lights turned on. Judy Miller, Perfect, A Path to Love, Forgiveness, and Transformation. How did it all happen? What set me on my path is really the surgery that I talk about in Perfect. So I had a lot of fears as a child, and when I went through the surgery, I felt the same panic um, that I had as a child. And as I explained, um, you know, by going to a healer and going through the healing process and having this epiphany, I realized that stories aren't true. They aren't necessarily true. Our bodies tell the truth. Stories are created in the mind, and they're not always true. The body tells the truth. Stories are created in the mind, and they're not always true. Why would we create stories that don't serve us? Why would we create stories that are untrue? I think a large part of it is because, as humans, we're hardwired to actually focus on the negative aspects of the situation. And millions of years ago, it served us. It was critical for survival. But we no longer live in that reality. So we need to retrain our minds to focus on gratitude, focus on love, focus on things that truly serve us as humans. Some of the greatest people that we know, you know, I happen to be Catholic by upbringing, so I could definitely, you know, quote Jesus. But there, there are people that have walked the earth from all religions that have been a model of what it feels like to really live a miraculous life. Compare your life. What did it look like then, and what did it look? What does it look like now? So, as a child, I had these uncontrollable terrors and fears of the night, and it was beyond just you know like monsters under the bed or monsters in the closet. I felt terror every single night of my life as a child, and I would literally crawl into bed and close my eyes and recite the Lord's Prayer over and over again because I could feel different energies 
and I didn't know if they were there to help me or harm me. And this continued well into my adulthood. And then, as I mentioned, you know, when I had the hysterectomy, everything changed. I actually, a good friend of mine recommended that I read a book called Light Emerging by Barbara Brennan. Barbara was a NASA physicist, and she studied the human energy field. And what she learned about the human energy field, she was actually able to heal people. Literally, days before my surgery, I started Googling healers near me. And as I sat across from my healer for that first time, I realized, I didn't realize how my entire life would literally change. But what was more important, I didn't realize the role that that healer actually played in my family's history. Um, so I learned <laughs> I learned how there is actually no coincidences in this in, on this earth. This healer had a part in your family's history, you said? First, she helped me heal after my surgery. And then we started to explore this terror and this fear that I had every night as a child and that returned to me as an adult. And we started to look at, you know, things from my childhood experiences, you know, were there things from my childhood that actually triggered this fear that nothing came to light. And then we started to talk about my parents because we know we inherit so many things from our parents, right? The color of our hair, the color of our eyes, the shape of our nose. But the science of epigenetics tells us that we could actually inherit the pain and the trauma from our parents. And they've shown it with Holocaust survivors where their children and their grandchildren have that same fear and terror in their bodies which could be triggered and they've done so much research with mice where they introduce the smell of cherry blossoms to mice and then zap them on the feet well Casey as you can imagine after a while just the sense of cherry blossoms would trigger that same fear and terror in the mice but what was truly amazing was the mice's children and their grandchildren would also be triggered just by the scent of cherry blossoms even though they had never been zapped so that fear and that pain that I actually felt every night wasn't actually my own it was actually a cellular memory from my mother. Casey, they say every female baby is born with two to three million of their reproductive eggs at birth. And many people believe they actually don't produce any more after that. So there's some debate about that. But for most of your mother's life, you were actually in her body as an unborn egg. So on a cellular level, you actually experienced all of her triumphs as well as her traumas. So that pain and that terror that I felt every night actually was just a cellular memory from the pain and the terror that my mother experienced as a child. For most of my unborn life, I was an egg in my mother. That's right. Holy smokes, I never thought of that. So whatever she was going through, that egg that would become me was going through. So what the heck did your mom go through? So she was attacked as a child, and she actually never shared that with anyone. So for most of my life, I actually didn't know the trauma that she experienced. So this pain and this trauma that I felt at night, I couldn't explain. Wow. You also said, though, that the, the, you felt energies at night and you didn't know if they were there to help you or heal you. What's your relationship to those energies now? Are they still visited? So I still feel and sense energies, but I mentioned to you most, of pe- most people create stories. So I created a story at night as a child that these energies were there mostly to hurt me. And that's what caused the fear and pain and the terror. And now... And now, now I welcome the energies. I do believe we live in the loving, supportive universe. I believe our guides, our ancestors are all here to support us. Um, But Casey, you know, I talked about that pain and that terror that I inherited from my mother, but there is a shocking connection to the healer that I trusted. The healer that I trusted in this lifetime to heal me actually was the person that inflicted the pain on my family in a previous lifetime. And I know that this may sound unusual and uncommon to many people, but Casey, in that moment of revelation, I could have felt fear, anger, or betrayal, but I didn't. I felt the love and the perfection of the universe. And the reason I say that is because I saw how all of our souls are actually interconnected how we're unconditionally loved, and how we could heal at any moment in any lifetime. So how did you and your healer come to find out that she was the one 
that she was yes. the one that in another lifetime hurt your mother. I believe that we do we do have soul contracts and we travel with soul clusters. Um, we're the good and the bad. And the reason I say that is because we are naturally magnificent beings of love. And in order to experience our magnificence, we have to experience the contrast. So in the contrast is the clarity. So we play out these roles of good or bad um, uh, so we could experience truly who we are. Um, so as part of this journey, that's how we uncovered it. All right. So you and she went on a separate journey. A journey, a healing journey. Right. And how did she break the news? I mean, is she the one that said, oh, Judy, by the way, that was me? <laughs> no, it didn't actually work that way. So I worked with John Newton also. John Newton is the founder of Health Beyond Belief, and we went through some um, forgiveness work together. I've actually trained with him. We actually hold pain and traumas in our body, and I know that one of your recent guests was about trauma, but we do hold pain and trauma in our bodies. It could be from this lifetime. It could be a cellular memory from our parents. It could be from the past lifetime. And when we don't heal those traumas, they do get stuck. They do become stories that we repeat over and over again. So through this forgiveness healing process first you acknowledge that feeling in your body truly acknowledge it because most people Casey actually don't feel their emotions in their body we're not trained to most people aren't trained to or we're told to suppress it boys don't cry big girls don't cry and we often think about our emotions rather than actually feel it in our body so part of about forgiveness is really just letting go of the contracted negative stories that don't serve us so part of it is acknowledging that sensation in our body okay so feel your feelings acknowledge that you feel them Think about where you feel them in your body, and then I guess think about if they're yours or they came from somewhere else. But either way, no matter where the trauma came from or where the feeling came from, we've got to feel it and then heal it. Right, so when you feel it, so Joe Bolte, Dr. Joe Bolte-Taylor wrote a book called My Stroke of Insight. Ah, in fact... She wrote the book and came on this show. Oh, perfect. Look Mm -hmm. at that. Mm -hmm. But she talked about the 90-second rule, if you remember, and she says it really, when an event happens, it really only takes 90 seconds for us to truly feel it in our body, in our physiology, and then let it go. After those 90 seconds, we've actually started to create a story, and the story could be either empowering or disempowering. So first, Casey, is to truly feel those sensations, that contracted energy in our body, to truly feel it. And the way that this forgiveness work actually works is once you feel it, don't start thinking about it, right? Feel it. And oftentimes, an image or memory will come to you, and oftentimes, it feels like you're making it up. It could be from when you were younger, when you were in the room, and maybe, you know, a cellular memory from a relative or an ancestor, or even a past life. And in that moment when you think you're making up that memory, oftentimes you're saying something to yourself that's stressful. And what is it that you're saying? You're doing two things. Number one, you're finally acknowledging that contracted energy in your body so you can release it, like Dr. Joe Bolte talks about. And then you're getting that smaller, younger version of yourself. You're finally giving that smaller, younger version of yourself a voice. Yes, yes, yes. You should always check in with that smaller, younger version of yourself and see what it has to say. Judy Miller, her book is called uh, Perfect uh, Path to Love, Forgiveness and Transformation. You know, I, I don't go into the past life stuff because I've got my hands full right here. But, you know, sometimes it makes sense. And it's interesting to think you could be carrying your ancestors' baggage. Thanks so much for that, Aunt Rose. I got your thighs. I didn't need anything else. But this makes sense because I've had many guests on the show who say, when you heal yourself, you heal your ancestors too. Mm, Right? So if we're carrying their stuff, that makes sense. All right, guys, up there, I'm working on it. You gave me a lot to work with. So Judy mentioned a few names. 
Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, a Dr. Jill, a brain scientist who had a stroke and then wrote about the healing process, gave us so many insights into how our brain works. Dr. Jill, drjilltaylor.com. Barbara Brennan, a physicist and energy healer, her books on my nightstand all the time. As a Reiki practitioner, I read Barbara Brennan all the time. And then she mentioned somebody I didn't know, John Newton. You can find more about him at healthbeyondbelief.com. Okay, pandemic check-in. How's everybody doing? Isn't it just the craziest thing in the world that more and more things keep opening? More and more people going to the gym. Now the movies are open. And just as the second wave starts again. I don't know. Strange, strange times. I hope you are taking excellent care of yourself. I want to thank everybody who came out to the market at Mount Carmel this summer, my little pandemic project. We had our last market last Sunday. Oh, thank you. So much fun. So much fun. We had a couple of healing circles during the market, and um, now we're going to start them up again on November 1st on Zoom. So if you're interested in joining a Zoom discussion, conversation, we'll have a new guest every week, Sunday mornings at 11, and we start 11-1, November 1st. And you can find more at Casey.co. Casey.co. Now our thought for the day, so much good material to bounce off today. Here's where I ended up with our thought for the day. It's from Meryl Streep. She said, you could make a case that along with the technological revolution, the most provocative, upending, destabilizing, thrilling change in the course of human history is that we're finally in it. We're here now. Women are in the world and we are not to be bullied. Mm. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.